0: Joy is what happens when you face your soul. This took me a decade to figure out. And I interviewed every rabbi, every lama, every boo, shrink, everybody. I would say, what do you think our true nature is? Because I think it's joy.
1: My guest today is Danielle Laporte. We've known each other for the better part of a decade now. We kind of started in the, quote, online space right around then and have navigated and woven through these overlapping worlds of spirituality, uh, entrepreneurship, uh, personal growth and development in our own ways. And we keep sort of bumping into each other and she has developed a really fascinating lens on how all of these things work together. About seven years ago, she wanted to write a book called White Hot Truth and she didn't do it. And we talk about why she didn't do it and why this is a great time because now she has written that book and it's just about to be out. You can actually pre-order it right now and we will drop a link in the show notes and we dive into what that's about. Why? This had to wait, what had to happen for this to be what it is and what's happened in her life over the last five, six, seven, eight years that has profoundly changed her lens on so many different things. Really excited to share this conversation with you. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project.
2: Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or
1: So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. But I was thinking back to the, the first time that we actually sat down for Good Life Project, which was when we were filming. And we were filming in the yoga studio that I used to own. And you showed up. And I didn't, I forgot to tell you that we were actually filming in a yoga studio. And you're all sort of dolled up because you're doing like <laughs> a series of interviews and you had, you know, like the high heel shoes. <laughs> And I'm like, are we going to be hanging out on the floor on <laughs> like bolsters? Sure. And you're really good. You're like, okay. <laughs> I think I had a blazer on. <laughs> right. There was something. And both of us within five minutes are so uncomfortable. We're like constantly shifting around on camera the whole time. And I'm like, no. This is
3: better.
1: This is much better. Yeah. So good to be hanging out with you again.
0: Yeah. You too, my friend.
1: The book that you have out now. White Hot Truth. So for those who haven't figured it out, Dee and I have known each other for a long time, and, and we've actually shared interviews. So if you're looking for a deep dive into sort of like her hero's journey, heroine's journey, we will drop in the show notes, great conversations that take you there. I want to kind of focus more on what you're up to these days. The book that you've written now, White Hot Truth, this is going to sound weird, but I'm glad you waited until now to write it.
0: I couldn't have written it sooner.
1: Yeah. Let's deconstruct that a little bit. Because I think the last maybe five years or so have been so transformative in a non-foofy but also foofy way for you. From the outside looking in, it feels like if you had tried to write, because I know this has been inside of you for a long time, mm-hmm. but if you had tried to write this five years ago, it just would have been such a different thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I did try it and write it a long time ago. It was about seven years ago. And the agent I was with at the time said it sounded like a mixtape.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and I took real offense to that I was like because I wanted to be a mixtape because I'm a mixtape kind of person I want you to be able to open the book at any chapter and just take what you want and leave the rest but that's not what this is and I don't think that's what people need and I needed to go to two dozen more workshops I needed to bust out of some workshops in the middle of the night (laughs) Mm -hmm. I needed to be had by some charlatans I needed more time on the meditation cushion. I needed to leave meditation and come back to it. I needed to get divorced. I needed to beg for mercy. I needed to have a, quote, successful business and then really continue to examine what success really meant. And I needed to get really, really, really tired before I could write this book. And I got there. yeah.
1: Mm. What got you there? Was it everything that you just listed?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was really it was spiritual striving. Not just material striving, because that's actually not been a huge driver. I mean, I want to have a great business, but I just want to be more evolved, make more of a contribution. I want to be more loving. I want to be more forgiving. I want to be... Purified. I want to be in the best possible shape. And actually, none of those things have changed. I want all of those things. But the motivation has changed. So I now want all of those things for me. And I really want to do it in my way. And I'm not, I'm really, really very, very clear. And this is why I couldn't could not have written the book sooner. I'm very clear approval is mine to give to me nobody else's and I'm very clear that I have something to offer in a very kind of high level conversation about spiritual growth and enlightenment I can sit with a seasoned teacher and I might actually know some of the answers because of my own experience and I have some really crystalline questions now yeah, and I also needed to witness my girls, like my girlfriends, be as exhausted and as hungry as I've been because it's an epidemic. You know, this is I wouldn't have written that if it was just my own experience because I'm really not into like memoir stuff. But yeah, we we're all getting fried at trying to be better.
1: Yeah. it's funny. I was before we were when I was I was reading through the book and I was reflecting on just conversations we've had over the years. And something you said came to mind. I don't remember what the context was, but I remember we were talking. We were talking about building life, building business. And you said to me, if it doesn't feel easy, it's not right, and I'm not
0: doing it. Mm -hmm. Do you still feel that way? 1,000%. In fact, my current assignment with my therapist is to reprogram my nervous system for ease. And this is really, this is a, right now, a regular philosophical conversation I'm having around ease because also with spiritual teachers, like people who I really consider my teachers and I'm, I'm actively turning to them. I'm in this, always this tug of war with them about, you know, do you really have to suffer to grow is, does enlightenment, you know, and, and I hear so much about it, just this kind of severity in devotion. And who wants that? (laughs) Like, not me. But at the same time, I know devotion requires some sweat. There's some stuff I know I want to work through, burn through, get over. But my learning now, my most current thing, is that joy is what happens when you face your soul. This took me a decade to figure out. And I interviewed every rabbi, every lama, every do, boo, shrink, everybody, I would say, what do you think our true nature is? Because I think it's joy. And some would agree with me and some wouldn't. And what I got to is that when I'm facing who I really am, my greatness, my wholeness, what I would call my soul, I experience joy. So my soul isn't actually joy. It's its own amazing, magnificent thing. But it's m- so much more than just joy. It's like really all-encompassing. But when I, as a personality, face that, the experience is pretty joyful. To boil that down, to get it into a tweetable or an Instagram, (laughs) because that is how you get enlightened.
1: (laughs) Of course. Everybody knows that. Finally. That's Uh where I'm going with this whole thing.
0: I mean, if I can't get this in 140 characters. Don't make me
1: think whatever
3: you do. That's right.
0: (laughs) Uh, you know, sometimes I put a truth bomb out there and I get this big philosophical pushback. I'm like, dude, it's three words. I mean, I'm not right. trying to explain the secrets of the universe, the universe to you, yeah. right? Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. To boil it down, when you are yourself, you are in ease and and bliss and ease are united. And I want to be there more often. As much as possible.
1: Yeah. Do you distinguish between easy and ease?
0: Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Because I think
1: that's where I stumbled originally when you shared that with me. Mm. And I think I've come to the same place as you by understanding that they're very different, that you can be going through the dark night of the soul, the gauntlet, whatever the work is that you have to do, but where it's hard. And at the same time, experience this with some odd sense of ease because there's a coherence Mm -hmm. between sort of what you're doing, what you're aspiring for, and how the actions you're taking are representing the essence of who you are.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. That's a really, really great point. Yeah, like where I experience the necessity for stamina is with a lot of my spiritual practice. You know, like right now, I'm very committed to a very particular meditation for a certain amount of time at a certain time of the day. And I want to see how that turns out. I want to see mm. how what that adds to my life and my consciousness. And that is not necessarily easy, but there is some ease to that. Like there is some rapture to that. And I keep, I will keep showing up for that.
1: Yeah. It's a tough concept.
0: <laughs> it is.
1: But I think it's important to make that distinction. I also, I mean, what, I don't want to skip over what you just shared also about sort of is or is not the natural state of being joy, mm. And to experience that, we have to be – somehow we have to tap into the essence of just who we are. this That's something I absolutely – I've seen so many times that because I've seen people who you – know, friends of ours who we both know who are in the public eye, who seem to be unapologetic mm. and light. Even though you know behind the scenes there's a lot of stuff going on in their lives mm. and wondered, what is it? And it feels like when you reach a point where you can drop the facade mm. – the weight that you stop carrying around just unleashes something? And if that innate state is joy.
0: You know, I th- I think it could be one of two things. Because for myself, I don't feel that I've had a facade, but I felt weight. I think the weight came from the goals.
3: Hmm.
0: So I think for me, it's about dropping the goals. For some people, it is about dropping the facade. That You can be goalless, but my weightlessness that I have now I'm just really not attached anymore. I still want things intensely, but like I'm unshakable now. If they don't show up, I'm good. I'm the same person. I'm going to keep creating. I'm just as loving today whether that producer gives me what I want or not, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like I'll be okay. I know who I am. And yeah, fewer goals, more soul.
1: Mm. Which ties into the pace of life, I think, also. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that creates a lot of heaviness.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe
1: pace without intentionality.
3: I've
0: been really befriending the phrase long game lately. Mm. So there with
3: you. <laughs> so there yeah,
0: with you. Yeah, and it like <laughs> – Are we getting old?
3: What's happening?
1: I but think so. <laughs> wise, not old Why wise.
0: wise. I mean, I'm talking like – the long game of eternity, considering that we live 84,000 lives in multi-dimensions and that, you know, this is just, I may have incarnated in this lifetime to learn one particular lesson. You know, the whole 111 years that I intend to learn could be just for one thing at the end of the day. And I'm not, without the goals, I'm not as much in in a rush, but I love this kind of divine irony My commitment, the intensity of my commitment to do good, to raise the vibration, to broadcast light, to help people cleanse their thinking, to live in a more heart-based way, more intense than ever. Like I really, my purpose is, I've become a cliche. I get out of bed every day (laughs) for that. But it'll take as long as it takes. It's really, it's this ra- great paradox,
1: yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting also because I came to know you years ago as a maker, as a creator, mm-hmm. that was what beat your heart.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think it
1: still does. You, yes, know, you I love to make beauty. Yeah. And I've come to also see that there's a bit of a spectrum across all, nearly everyone that I've met. I'm gonna call it everyone that I've met in terms of what the deeper driver is from maker on one end to helper on the other end. Mm. And some people are extreme on one side, some people are extreme on the other side. And a lot of people fall on the spectrum in the middle. You know, I've always heard in almost every, if you, if you go to any self help spiritual tradition, the answer is always, if you want to live a good life in some way, shape or form, serve others. Yes. The struggle happens so often with people who define themselves Strongly as makers in that, like, I'm here to create beauty. It's nice that other people benefit from it and enjoy it. But I wake up in the morning because there's something I have to make. And whether anybody sees it or not, I need to make it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I first started playing with you, I got that. I, to me, I was like, that is Danielle.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it does feel like there's been an evolution from the outside looking in where that is still fiercely a part of you. Mm -hmm. But it seems like you've tapped in increasingly and become more attuned to the fact that making in service of others is is an entirely different level of
3: Mm -hmm.
1: reward and and gift.
0: You know what is really helpful when it's about you make to be of service? What you say no to is very clear. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of things I can make. There's so much I could repurpose. I've got a moleskin full of ideas. And I just think, well, it's not going to serve as many people. Yeah, the yes and no becomes clear when making and service are both on the docket.
1: Do you feel that shift also? Or was it, was I just, did I not know you well
3: enough?
0: Well, I think I'm much more, (laughs) if it's possible, I'm even more opinionated than I was. (laughs) first I think I'm much more out about my spiritual beliefs. I'm not apologizing for my woo and more than not apologizing, I'm actually just full on preaching these days. And, you know, I'm just about to speak at a business conference a few days from now, and I will not be holding back on my opinions about what conscious business really is. It's more than a one for one model. It's more than just using recycled paper in your printer that if you are not operating with a triple bottom line, you're actually part of the problem. We need to take sides, especially with business right now. I want to be on the side that includes everybody. It's the light side where everybody matters, but pick a side. You're really, now you're part of the problem or you're part of the solution because let's wake up. Yeah. So.
1: What led you to a place where you decided that had to be a much more public part of what you're creating?
0: Oh, I'm in huge pain. I mean, I feel so much suffering because of the suffering in the world. I feel guilty every time I throw out plastic. I feel this heaviness when I travel because of the environmental weight on the planet. I cry when I see mothers carrying their babies trying to migrate to places that will maybe or maybe not hold them in safety. It's gruesome to see how women are still being treated in business and in relationships the political situation, I feel, is just, you know, the worst of humanity is rising to the surface to be healed. Things are messed up, profoundly messed up. I think we are living in a state of rampant immorality. And it sounds so evangelical of me to say rampant immorality, but that's my perspective. And I'm like progressive... (laughs) Sowed some seeds, <laughs> liked to party, check, but this is the dilemma that I see. I think our ethics are really fucked right now,
1: so that's part of what's driving you,
0: yeah, agony
1: hmm. you think people are fundamentally good?
0: Yes, I do. I think that we all want to be loved and and be loving. I think we like the feeling. Of doing the right thing and I think some people incarnate as darkness this is part of the long game like it's not just nature and and nurture conversation you know is is you know so-and-so dictator leader was he just beaten by his father and that's why he's turned out sideways I think it's a bigger picture than that (laughs) I think there's karmic implications and there's huge metaphysical forces at play. But I think the majority of human beings are flames, flames of love. Yeah.
1: So here's my curiosity. When you walk into a business event and you step on stage mm-hmm. and you talk about conscious business and triple bottom line and this is about something so much bigger. How far do you go when you're speaking down the rabbit hole of what you just shared with me? Because um, this is something that's that's on my mind also, so I'm curious, because we both speak and we both speak to a blend of personal and business audiences. And if you do feel like there's something much bigger happening, mm-hmm. and at the same time, you really want your message to land in a way where people will take action on it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where's the line?
0: I think there is no line anymore. Hmm. I think I can't have a line. I think I have to be very conscious and very loving. I think I need to get on stage and say everything I said without shaming anybody. And I'm not out to convert anybody. I'm not aiming for X percentage of the audience to go out and take action. Just the right person is going to hear it in the way it needs to be heard, and they'll take their action. That's all. I just really have to be myself. And I think that's what we're all being called to do. Please publicly disagree with me. Please be the speaker before or after me and have a very different message. Just be honest and open and fluid and be devoted to being of service by being yourself. Because I just think that's what, that's what power is to have the, you know, to, to freely with the intention to serve, stand up and say what you believe in. And ideally, you're doing that from an examined place. You are living an examined life. I mean, part of the problem is there's a lot of people with a microphone who aren't living examined lives, and they have great branding and a lot of followers on Instagram. And that's cool, too. Like, this is part of the, the confusion and the upheaval. It's part of you got to get lost before you get found. You got to fall for some lies before you get to the truth. So there's room for everybody, but question your quest. That's, that's what I'm for these days. This podcast
2: is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today.
1: Good Life Project is brought to you by LinkedIn ads. So have you ever felt the challenge of reaching a key decision maker in the B2B world? Imagine connecting with a Billion professionals, including 180 million senior executives and 10 million C-level leaders. Well, LinkedIn Ads provides precision targeting and measurement tools tailored for B2B marketers outperforming other platforms with two to five times higher ROAS in technology. Plus, 79% of B2B content marketers vouch for LinkedIn Ads' exceptional paid media results. What sets LinkedIn Ads apart is their understanding of the complex B2B landscape. They have built a platform to support you through intricate decision-making processes. I've actually tapped the power of LinkedIn ads a number of times to help grow our work focused venture, Spark Endeavors, and I've been seriously impressed by the performance. So if you're ready to elevate your B2B marketing, try LinkedIn ads. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject or just click the link in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. Good life project is supported by Dell. So seasons change. So why not your tech upgrade now during the Dell Technologies summer sale event and save on select PCs like the XPS 16 powered by Intel core processors. You'll be able to bring your most intensive project to life with built-in AI, minimalistic design, immersive visuals, and cinematic audio. Plus complete your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, And more must have electronics and accessories. When you shop at Dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to exceptional tech and electronics, plus free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Dell.com slash deals. That's Dell.com slash deals, or just click the link in the show notes. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Uh, And I wonder sometimes whether the fact that we all have microphones now, you and I are sitting in front of two, Mm -hmm. leads to the ability for anybody to basically share, this is my truth in the moment. At an early enough point in their exploration where they believe in their heart it to be the truth, Mm -hmm. but they've not either examined or lived.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. But the listener, the recipient has
1: to be examining that. Right. And it comes down to the idea of discernment, uh, which I know is something that you're... Yeah. Take me into the (laughs) discernment rabbit hole because...
0: This is it. it's,
1: It's so important right now.
0: Everything... I'm about right now is about that discernment. That is why I could not have written white hot truth (laughs) until recently, because I had to fall for some lies. I had to fall for my own lies. And like, I'm all about the wake up call now. Like, does that really, does his message really resonate with you? Do you really, are you really buying what she's saying? Some of it is true. Some of it isn't. Some of that is just repackaged other people's stuff. Do you think they've really suffered? Really? How much money do you think she, you know, like I'm interested in the teachers who have suffered. I'm very interested in someone's motivations about why they need a platform. I mean, I'm really interested in someone's definition of the good life and, you know, the root of the word glamour is deception.
1: Is it really? Yeah. Huh
0: to deceive. And I think a lot of what's happening out there is glamour, spiritual glamour.
1: Part of the challenge, I think, is also understanding what is the process of discernment.
0: Mm. Deception, I don't think it's deception. taught. <laughs> no, it's not taught.
1: You know, it's. I think it's one of those things where we'll teach you the process of math, of writing, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But just an intelligent approach to discernment. You know, if you go back to the Stoics or the ancients, this was a critical part of the education because Mm -hmm. it was first and foremost about character. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: How do we build character? And you can't build character unless you understand a way of examining the world. Mm -hmm. And unless you opt into that path, which I don't think many people do now, we're just not equipped with a set of questions or a process Mm -hmm. that makes it easy for us to look around and say, huh. What What's
0: that really all about? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a great observation, yeah. I think we're not taught, I know, we're not taught about our feelings in school. You know, I wrote a whole book on how do you want to feel. Indeed. It was a big part of my, my thing. And we're not taught to tune into our bodies. You know, like my son came home from daycare when he was four and said, Miss so-and-so said we shouldn't talk to strangers. I said, well, that's crap. You're not going to go through your whole life not talking to anybody? I said, your your body knows. When we walk down the street, your body knows who we should talk to and who we shouldn't. Of course, there's some people you shouldn't talk to, but you know. That's what we need to be taught. Not that everybody's bad, but that you can trust your senses. You have them and you can trust them. Mm -hmm. And character. And character transcends glamour. Character transcends the American dream, the North American dream, transcends cash. Character is what I think conscious business is about. And it's not as profitable if you only have one bottom line. Kindness costs you money almost every single time. doesn't mean you can't have wildly lucrative revenue streams, Mm -hmm. right? But when you're not driven by the dough, your character can lead the way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And increasingly I look at entrepreneurship, the process of entrepreneurship, and I think you've come to the same place also, you know, I love making stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You and I both love the thing that terrifies so many people, which is like a blank white page. It's like, bring it on.
3: Once there's something
1: on it, it, then I want to give it to somebody else to do something with, but I love that process. And, um, but it's that rest of the process that I've, I've really come to see the process of entrepreneurship less as about building a thing and more about what the process does to the person within the process. I think entrepreneurship is, is, can be a spiritual path if you allow it to
0: be. Yeah, it's just therapy. <laughs> really? <laughs> you're going to learn what you need to learn yeah. either way, right? Like that's just my way of saying yes. I think you're right. Entrepreneurship can be a spiritual process.
1: Yeah. Asking pretty much anything if you want it to be. Devotion Mm -hmm. is a word that has come up in this conversation and is a word that I know you write about. Tell me more about your thoughts around what it is, why it matters, Mm -hmm. how to find it.
0: Well, my journey has been before I could really be more devoted to, to the truth, to light, to love, to joy, to faith. Those are my things. To God, however, you know, I wanted to find that. I had to have a prodigal experience with all the stuff I thought I was devoted to. So I left meditation and I left yoga and I left clean eating. And in some ways, I left a lot of the seeking out of fatigue, out of frustration. You know, I was like, meditating was really stressing me out. And I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that was not the point. Pretty sure you're not alone with that too. <laughs> and, um, but I, I mean, we. So many of us know, like, instinctively, these things. I mean, the the one, the, the ones I've just named, are the cornerstones of whole living for a reason. And when I can could come back to each of those on my own terms, a meditation that worked for me, and then I could really. Once I, you know, I said no to it, I could feel this genuine desire for practice arising with me. Like I started to crave that kind of stillness. Oh, that's interesting. I really actually want this. Not because someone's telling me, but I need, wow, I can feel my brain cool down when I sit. If I chant that particular mantra, that particular mantra X amount of times, I can feel the effects of that on my nervous system because I'm more creative and I'm kinder and I talk shit way less about other people the more I meditate, the more I sit, you know. And I didn't want to eat chicken anymore. You know, every time I ate mate, I apologized to the animal. That was creating a lot of stress in my body. And then, you know, so these natural inclinations started to arise within me that fit these ancient teachings. And then I realized I could practice in my own way. And I still feel some like there's there's some Catholic guilt kickback.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And when you engage with any kind of spiritual teacher, and you know there's some kind of discipline involved, you know, the ease as opposed to the easy, there's some tension there. <laughs> Am I doing this to impress you, to be, you know? So I'm more devoted than ever but I'm more liberal than ever about how I do what I do. It's so much more about intention for me than it is about practice. I mean, I just had a conversation with a dear friend yesterday who was sitting in a, you know, a native ceremony and the recrimination for not touching you know, the sacred object in a certain way, even though she wasn't told how to handle that particular thing and the endurance that was involved, that was required in the teepee. And I get it. I get it. I understand some basic things about metaphysics and about the math of spirituality. And still, and still, I think it gets down to intention. So I'm devoted to keeping my intention in check. And if I got to me- meditate on the bus one day, then that's what happens mm. or not.
1: Yeah. Which also sort of brings the idea of practice into the conversation because devotion is, there has to be a practice. Mm. <laughs> Maybe we'll take the word has, has to out of that, right?
3: <laughs> good catch.
1: <laughs> invitation. To, there's there's got to be an invitation to, to explore a practice. <sighs> but almost everything good in my life has come from a devotion to turn it into a practice, mm. even when I really don't want to. I mean, mm. my dirty secret for years is I taught yoga and meditation, and I had a brutally hard time sitting to meditate. Mm. And the only time I came to it personally was when I had tinnitus, and I literally was just trying to figure out how to get through each day. Mm. And I came back to it as a way to maybe find find a way to be able to breathe again, and you know, be okay with the sound in my head that would never leave. Mm. And it brought me to my knees. And then the practice, even though it was brutally hard in the beginning, is what brought me back up to my feet. But for that experience, I don't know if I would have had the motivation to become devoted enough to turn it into a practice. And then through turning it into a practice, experience the forgiveness, the, the space, the peace.
0: The compassion. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing is like, I think the other word for practice, I would love to find another word, I'm with you, is attention.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, it's, are you going to pay attention? Like, you got to pay attention to your relationship. You got to pay attention to your body. This is, everything good requires daily attention. And life will get your attention, won't it? (laughs) We need more attention. Hello. (laughs) Calling Jonathan and Danielle. (laughs) Trying to get your attention. So let's bring you to your knees. And there's these tools, you know, work. Do we have your attention? Yeah. I'm going to give you my attention back. That's devotion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder sometimes when I write, part of what's going on with me, I'm I'm so curious if this is going on in your head at all, is wouldn't it be cool if I could create an experience that could bring somebody to the same point that they were at when they're on their knees in terms of an openness and a motivation to take action without actually having to have their their shins hit the floor.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah, I try and get as grisly as I can. <laughs> like, let me just make this clear how much this sucks. Yeah. Are you with me? Do you feel the agony? Let me remind you of the agony. I'll just remind you. Great, now you don't have to go through it. And you can just like short circuit it and be devoted, yeah. Hmm doesn't work that way, though. We both know that.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) And I think that's the
1: aspiration with so many teachers um, who in some way teach or speak or write about living on the planet more comfortably is that we want to relieve a certain amount of suffering. Mm -hmm. And we equate that with helping people get to a place of action-taking, awakening, connection, intentionality. Without having to go to the same depths. But maybe that's not possible. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I don't think it's possible. But I think you relieve suffering by saying, I will be with you Mm. when you go down, I'll be with you when you come up. And I made it through to the other side. You're really just cheerleading on the suffering. (laughs) Yeah, you can't skip the steps. Of course, I think out of love, we would love to help people skip the steps. I think of all the teachers I've had, even the the shrinks and the friends who just, you know, you know, even your own parents who say, if I could do this for you, I would, but I can't. You've got to go through the breakup. You've got to, you gotta get to the job interview. You gotta barf on the bus on your way to the job interview. <laughs> Learn how to manage that anxiety. But I am cheering you on. I am cheering you on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's so important too, which also really speaks to the role of teachers for all of us. I know you've written about this and you've spoken about it many times. It seems like you have a universe of teachers Mm. and you've thought a lot about the role of teachers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's your, what's your thinking on the role of teachers these days?
0: Right now, I think it is about friendship and the whole notion of friendship was brought up to me by my friend, O' Fisher. Mm. And we were talking about. Awesome human. he's an awesome <laughs> yeah, yeah. human, yeah. And I had to agree. I was talking about, you know, this Buddhist concept that your true nature is warm, luminous and friendly. And I was like, "Wow, friendly, friendly." That's so light in like this heavy Buddhist context, you know. But that was Give me it. The meaty, profound stuff. And I noticed like even in my own thinking and writing, I was saying things like, you need to befriend your loneliness and befriend your anger and befriend your cravings. And I was like, no, Danielle, just get to the heart of it. Just befriend yourself. Treat yourself like you would a friend. And then that doesn't feel very sexy as a writer because well, everybody said that. And, you know, all the best wisdom is really so simple, but that's it, friend. And my best teachers, I can think of two in particular who are in my life right now. It's really friendship first, teaching second. And for sure, I'm not interested in this kind of Zen master dynamic, which is a huge departure from friendship. So I'm not interested in being tested at all. I've always really been allergic to the idea that, you know, a Godhead is testing us. And I learned that through motherhood. I don't test my child. There's lessons, there's teachings, but it's never like, oh, let's see if he can do this. Not from that, you know, there's almost that sinister feel when you hear about this. And certainly in a Catholic context, you know, the Lord is testing you. (laughs) It's not very loving. So friendship is... I want the best for you. I'm going to lay down my teachings and I'm going to cheer you on and I'll be here for you. It's not, I'm testing you. And friendship sees you real teachings, real teachers. There's a reciprocity. Like they're really with you so they can see your brilliance. They're learning from you too. And yeah, it's this great friendship.
1: Yeah. Which also really kind of brings in the idea of well the, um, it's funny, there's, I think we've known really all we need to know for thousands of years. <laughs> Derek Sivers has a great line, if information was the answer, we would all be billionaires with six pack abs.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and perfect um, skin. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it really does. I think there's so much to the idea of just being with people and being open and having enough safety in the relationship mm. that... You can hold them when they need to be held and be held when you need to be held. Be vulnerable in that space and also be honest. White hot truth Mm -hmm. is not about holding back. It's about, I'm going to tell you. I could be wrong, but I'm going to tell you what I see Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and hope that we have faith in the container we've created in our friendship that Mm -hmm. it doesn't end things, Mm -hmm. but that somehow
0: it helps. I never give my opinion unsolicited now. So <laughs> wait, is that something new? For you? <laughs> not in the not in the context. Like you can see something with a friend, and this is now part of my. I would think my you know evolution as a person, the being more loving. Age, yeah. And I'll just say, you want my you want my take, and then I'll let it rip. And even then, my delivery is a lot softer than it used to be. Hmm. But I'm like so done trying to change people. I'm also so done thinking I know what's right for somebody. You know, one of my hashtags could be they should have listened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in a business context, someone will come back and like, oh, it tanked. I was like, I fucking told you to not launch, (laughs) you know.
1: (laughs) That'll be the name of the next book after Why
0: Not Truth. Yeah.
3: (laughs) You should have listened.
0: But you're going to learn the way you're going to learn. And... I just have a lot more space for mystery, and my heart is bigger. So I'm okay being wrong. <laughs> I'm okay I'm okay not being right. I'm okay not being the savior. I don't even need to be as thanked as much as I used to need to be thanked. Yeah, it's a lot easier that
1: way. It is, but you have to somehow... That has to come from the inside out because mm-hmm. you have to be doing all that to and for yourself for you to be okay not needing it from the outside in anymore.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: This story is presented by Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA produced by ACAST Creative. 25 years ago, Invesco QQQ rethought the investing landscape by providing access to the Nasdaq's 100 most innovative companies, all in one ETF. With Invesco QQQ, investors saw all the possibilities that innovation could deliver. Personally, I had a wake-up call in my 30s that led me to invest deeply in myself to unlock new possibilities. I walked away from a career as a lawyer, overhauled my lifestyle through mindset and exercise and nutrition, and completely reimagined my career. And it was unsettling at times, but that investment in my potential allowed me to live so much more creatively and with purpose and passion. Invesco is proud to sponsor the new Ways to Win podcast, hosted by longtime coaches and mentors Craig Robinson and John Calipari. So in Ways to Win, the coaches use their on-court wisdom to solve for off-court problems and help you find a winning formula for success. In this clip from the show, we'll hear Craig share his advice for weighing a decision to switch from investment banking to full-time coaching. Let's take a listen. The advice that I would give somebody who's weighing a decision that is less risky or more risky, I always tell them to work back from what they're wanting to accomplish, right? What the reward is, what's at the end, and work back and try and set yourself up to get to where you want to get to. Because sometimes taking a risk is the right thing to do to get something that you want. And what I try and counsel people to do is not be afraid to take risks. Because if you set yourself up properly with a good education, a great network of friends, and you've got family behind you, you can usually weather Most storms, if things don't work out the way you thought they'd work out. So, listen to Ways to Win wherever you get your podcasts to get more wisdom from Craig. Nobody knows what's ahead, but one thing's for certain you can access tomorrow's innovation today with Investco QQQ ETF. Let's rethink possibility. So, thank you for listening to this special story brought to you in partnership with Investco QQQ and produced by ACAS Creative. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more defined investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit investco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Investco is not affiliated with ACAS Creative. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
2: Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools award-winning insights and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter visit bankofamerica.com banking for business to learn more what would you like the power to do Bank of America NA copyright 2024
0: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time What I know for sure now about compassion is, you know, well, my, my, really my through line with white hot truth is the best self-help is self-compassion. I mean, that's really right. the end of the story, right? But that it's really those critical times when you hate yourself, when you, if you can pour on some compassion in those moments, when you are learning the same damn lesson again, you can't believe you just made the same deal. That you thought you'd never make again, you know? And when you can pour on the love then, that's when it really becomes medicine. And you can, you know, I can say to myself, oh, Danielle, you're a little harsh. You got a good heart. When you forgive yourself, when you think what you've done is unforgivable, and I have some pretty high standards for myself, when I just say tomorrow's another day.
1: Yeah, not an easy place to come to. No, no. Yeah, especially in a world where I feel like it's so easy. There's so much of other people's opinions coming at us 24-7, and there are so many channels for those opinions to come at us. And on the one hand, there's data, there's value. Somewhere in the emotion and the opinion, there's data that mm-hmm. helps us do what we're here to do, that helps us evolve personally or build what we're here to build personally. But it's, it's you know, wrapped and mired and interwoven with a lot of stuff which is harmful and, you know, like not good and very often untrue. So uh, it makes it harder, I think, to both be able to parse what is true from the outside in and what's, you know, I'm rubber, you're glue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we live in a world where I think it's so easy to get caught up because there's so many more pathways to every single person, for other people's opinions to arrive, so that uh, I think the the need for really healthy boundaries, and you talk about this setting up fences, mm-hmm. um, is you know that discernment plus real intelligent fences. I think the need is
3: mm-hmm.
1: is pretty high, and at the same time, kind of like, but if there's something out there that will help me grow, it may suck to hear it, but I want to know.
0: Well first i want to say i'd much rather be alive now than a few hundred years ago when i had one church to go to mm-hmm. and not as many channels. True sure that. One something being preached at me. So i'm i'm down with the options. I like the smorgasbord. And i think it is calling for us to be more discerning. My ministry my ministry of boundaries that i got that's a great url ministry of boundaries it's <laughs> it, a bit dominatrix put it on pause,
3: though <laughs> we're go reserve that. <laughs> uh, well, that you know, requires it gives some you options if you want to change the
1: business model
0: <laughs> it's like
1: had <laughs> uh, an extra service
0: that is really in a specific context which you can take out into this conversation about social media and being inundated with other people's opinions and beliefs but what i th- saw for myself, what I see with a lot of women in the self-help space is, you know, we can be really self-determined in terms of business. We can be kick-ass online entrepreneurs, but our boundaries are for shit in terms of general relationships. And that is because, in my observation, we do a lot of things in the name of being spiritual. We become more loving even more loving. Oh, maybe far more loving. And that's all just self-help code for excessive tolerance. And what I call foolish compassion, because the Buddhists call it idiot compassion. I think that's not very compassionate. (laughs) Let's just call it foolish compassion. And insanely and ridiculously loyal to be more spiritual. And that's where you need boundaries with information and teachings coming in, like discerning, like No, there are a lot of teachings that are talking about self-love first. And so loving yourself first means you're actually going to probably piss off that person you're in a relationship with because you're not going to take their shit anymore. And not taking someone's shit doesn't look very spiritual. And in fact, sometimes the enlightened thing to do is to create disharmony, not harmony. But, you know, new age schlock has us believe that harmony is the goal. But that's just harmony on one dimension, people. <laughs> I mean, it's not its not harmony with the bigger picture where like there's the scales of karma and there's real like learning on all levels. So spirituality has a lot, at least my version, has a lot to do with justice and mercy. And it has to do with saying, you need to stay off my property. And I forgive you. But still, you're not welcome. Not welcome here anymore. But I forgive your soul. Yeah, it's it holds you when it needs to hold you and breathes fire when it needs to breathe fire. It's authentic to the moment.
1: You brought up um, parenting moment.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about our kids. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, what's interesting to me is, you know, I know you spent a lot of time in a lot of lineages, studying a lot of texts, learning with a lot of people and teachers and going in retreats and workshops and traveling around the world and for decades. Is there any better?
0: No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there is no better teacher for, than your child. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah.
1: That, uh, years ago, I was listening to, uh, I think it was NPR and it was, um, I think David Crosby. Yeah, he'd spend time with the gurus and all this, and and to this day, I remember the line. He's like, you know what? I learned more watching, like, you know, my three-year-old toddler play across the lawn for fifteen minutes than I learned studying at the feet of a guru for fifteen years. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think being a parent, if you choose to allow it to shape you, is the most powerful Mm
3: -hmm.
1: growth path. That, that I've experienced and, and I, and I don't mean to say that anybody who's listening to this who's not a parent doesn't have access to it, you know, in many different ways and playing that role in, in any other person's life. But I think we're both seekers and many people who are listening to this have sought so many different paths. And for me, simply being present in, in the life of another person mm-hmm. who is looking to you for so many different things mm-hmm. and stumbling and bumbling as we're stumbling and bumbling in our own paths is profound from a teaching standpoint.
0: Well, I think the distillation of that is if you choose to serve love, because I think the learning comes in, I choose to serve my son. And that's like pretty radical on the ego, because I'm the mother and the older, but I feel honored to be his parent. And I don't regard him, it's it's not a pedestal thing, but he's going to be pretty close to the center of my universe. And I've taken on helping him become who he wants to be in this world, this lifetime. And that takes a lot of free service. Like he's number one. He is number one. And I managed to get a lot of stuff done because, you know, we're all wonder women. (laughs) But, yeah, and watching him, how he listens to himself has been a great lesson for me. It's just like he knows when it's a yes and when it's a no. Mm. It's like, oh, I got to go with that. Yeah, there's something to be said for this first thought, right thought. And seeing how I put my neediness on him sometimes, I don't want to do that with him, with anybody, any kind of relationship. And yeah, I, he calls me, I must be more of myself in order to be an awesome mom for him. Yeah. And standing up for myself too. Like, you know, this is a person I love the most on the planet who is the most sensitive, the most impressionable. And I'm going to say, guess what? It's all about me today. (laughs) (laughs) I get to pick the movie and I get to pick where we're going and you're going to just watch and learn (laughs) and I'll roll with those consequences. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. I feel like kids are so much more embodied too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You brought this up earlier when we were talking, right? And that there's so much wisdom that our body is, we walk down the street using our words, right? And we know who's safe and who's not safe. Our mm-hmm. body is telling us. Mm-hmm. But we've become so disembodied, I think, especially in Western world, that we've turned those signals off, those pathways off. And I kind of feel like before a certain age, at least, so many kids are just naturally there mm-hmm. um, before it kind of slowly gets turned off. It reminds you sometimes to reconnect with that. It's like, oh yeah, that is inside of me.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also really learning right now, You know, you're talking earlier about, is there a line? Like when I'm on stage laying out my opinions, is there a line? And the answer is no. And there's no line with my kid. And I've had this conversation with a lot of self-help oriented moms who are like, you know, should I really try and get my kid on the bandwagon of meditation or essential oils or clean eating? And I'm like, yes, look, it took you decades to figure out what holistic means to you. Why would you hold back? And it doesn't matter if you're teaching them scripture or yoga moves or why, you know, frankincense oil is amazing. They're going to roll their eyes anyway, no matter what you teach them, because they need to resist because it's part of building their identity. So with my kid, I am full on full out with my opinions about how life really works. And sometimes there's the eye roll. And sometimes I think I'm really effectively brainwashing him <laughs> into my belief system, which is my job. It works for me. I think it will work for you. I'm going to just give it to you morning, noon, and night. And you will learn to discern as you go and make your own choices. But-
1: yeah, and we also have to walk it. I mean, because yeah, that's, right. that's, I think, part of the the thing that happens is that it doesn't matter what we say. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm
3: -hmm.
1: You know, if there's this cognitive dissonance because we're preaching one thing and living another thing, Mm -hmm. you know, anyone we're trying to teach, but especially, you know, like kids, family, they just look at that and they're like, well, that's not right because you're not doing it. That's come home to me in positive and negative ways. And it's made me sometimes examine my actions beyond just what I I have to say. I remember when uh, my daughter was a lot younger I had read Carol Dweck's book Success. I'm blanking on the name now, but it's all about growth versus fixed mindset. Mm. So I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to, you know, like teach my kid that it's all about, you know, like you know, investing the effort and stuff like that, and it's not about some sort of gift that lets you do something. And I remember telling her she would come home with homework, and she'd be like, you know, ask me for my help, and I'd be like, totally glad to help you. I will give you everything you need. Have you first tried your best to do it yourself? You know, I would want her to invest and in struggle a little bit. If she could figure it out as much as she could on her own, I wanted her to have the feeling of having toiled with it and then figured it out rather than just being handed it it, because it feels so much better. And I remember she had like a friend over with a little sister one day and hearing her like off in the background saying to this little girl, who was asking her for help, she's like, first, do your best. <laughs> she was like, eight then or something like
3: that. I'm like,
1: oh, that's pretty funny. I have to be careful with what I say. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think there's a really unique opportunity, both to play a role in the lives of others and kids and also in how that reflects up and they become our greatest teachers. And and we, we broaden that out too in the conversation. I think if we allow anybody to become our teachers through observing them, Mm-hmm. Beginner's mind is something that's been increasingly a mantra for me.
0: Mm-hmm, I've noticed, yeah.
1: Yeah. How do you feel about that, sort of that state?
0: I wrote about it in the fire starter sessions, and I told the story about fire walking. Mm-hmm. So I w- I did my thing. I walked on the hot coals, and everybody gathers back in the center after the fire, and I noticed a few people were nursing some toes. Things are a little, got a little crispy for a few folks. And I looked, I kind of did the math, and I realized that almost all of them, it was their second, third, fourth firewalk. I thought, oh, I got to get in there, figure out what, you know. And so I, you know, gently interviewed a few of them and said, what, what's up with the blisters? And they said, I got cocky. Went to the next one, I was like, but I thought this was like your third firewalk. And they're like, yeah. I really should have approached this like it was my first one. I was like, noted. (laughs) And let's, for the record, state, I have never walked on fire again. (laughs) I got what I needed the first time. (laughs) It's like, I'm good. I'm good.
1: I was a beginner. Don't need to do it again.
0: I am in the moment right now. That's the song you sing as you're walking across 20 feet of of burning hot coals. I don't think I'm really good at it. Mm. Tell me how to have a beginner's mind, Jonathan.
1: Yeah, I don't know, I, but that's part of what I'm trying to explore right now. It's like, how can I look at something? And when I think I've become pretty good at it, just question that assumption. I think for me, it's a process of constantly questioning the assumption and constantly putting myself. So I recently did, uh I went out and I did a training where for the first time in a really long time, I was the student in the room for three days in a small group of people. And with a friend who was running it, who I consider, you know, like a colleague and, you know, we're both really good at, at what we do. But I had to put myself in the role of student, total student Mm. and not sitting there sort of checking off what I knew and what I didn't know and not chiming in because I wanted to prove that I had some value in the room, Mm. but just sitting there and saying, just let it land.
3: Mm.
1: It's really hard for me too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I found I got so much out of the experience that I don't think I would have had I come in just with a different mindset.
0: You know, I think it has to do with – what's that saying about you never enter the river at the same point? Mm. Because I just did – because you're always a different person when you enter the river. Mm. I did a – it wasn't a, a workshop, but I was doing a friend's workbook on relationships. And some of them are like really basic fundamental questions that you've been asked like a dozen times before about your relationship history and stuff. And I thought, like, I just breeze through it. You know, I just give one-word answers and get through it. And I was like, I'm different now, though. I answered the same question so many years ago. But, you know, let's just answer it from, like, Danielle today. And maybe that's what it is. It's like you today. Same question, different you.
1: Yeah, which is the perfect time to come full circle because I've asked you this question years ago. Which is, as we sit here, the name of this is Good Life Project. So when I offer that phrase, what comes up for you? What does it mean?
0: A life full of kindness. I know before, I think my answer was love. Mm -hmm. I think I'm getting much more specific about what I feel love to be. And kind, 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 kind. Yeah, just be kind. Don't be an asshole. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, thank you. Always.
1: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If the stories and ideas in any way moved you, I would so appreciate if you would take just a few extra seconds for two quick things. One, if it's touched you in some way, if there's some idea or moment in the story or in the conversation that you really feel like you would share with somebody else that. It would make a difference in somebody else's lives. Take a moment and whatever app you're using, just share this episode with somebody who you think it'll make a difference for. Email it if that's the easiest thing, whatever is easiest for you. And then, of course, if you're compelled, subscribe so that you can stay a part of this continuing experience. My greatest hope with this podcast is not just to produce moments um, and share stories and ideas, that impact one person listening, but to let it create a conversation, to let it serve as a catalyst for the elevation of all of us together collectively, because that's how we rise. When stories and ideas become conversations that lead to action, that's when real change happens. And I would love to invite you to participate on that level. Thank you so much as always for your intention, for your attention, for your heart. And um, I wish you only the best. I'm Jonathan Fields, signing off for Good Life Project.